Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. Dr. Lawrence Larry Belkoff is the chairman of the Department of Specialty Surgery and the Division of Urology at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine and clinical professor at Drexel University College of Medicine. He is also the program director for the Mainline Health Urology Residency Program and is a member of the Resident Review Committee of the ACGME. We're going to talk about prostate cancer. Uh, Dr. Belkoff, first of all, Thank you. I know Dr. Catherine Sharif sent you our way. Um, my name is Andrea Lawful Sanders. I'm the host of The Source here and also the wife of a man who was just diagnosed with prostate cancer and had prostate cancer surgery on January 3rd. And when he came out uh, and talked about it publicly, Dr. Belkov, so many men, I was in tears. Men who said they were diagnosed years ago and ignored it and it's now in their back. Diagnosed and it's all over their bodies. And then we see the news happening over and over again about men from all walks of life, right? Who, who was, who was diagnosed with prostate cancer and did absolutely nothing until it was too late. And so, sir, good morning first. And then two, please describe to us what is prostate cancer and who should be tested and what ages. Thank you very much for having me on. And, uh, you know, prostate cancer for the urologist is uh, a very important area. And especially in our region, um, for me, I have had the opportunity of being in the Philadelphia area and uh, taking care of, uh, you know, uh, African-American men. And the sobering statistics are that one in six black men develop prostate cancer. And uh, there's a 1.7 greater chance of being diagnosed uh, with prostate cancer if you're if you're African-American and you're two times more likely to die of prostate cancer. So prostate is a it's a organ that is located in the urinary tract. It produces some of the uh, fluid for when you ejaculate and uh, it can be checked by blood tests called a PSA, as well as a prostate exam, digital rectal examination. And, you know, it's so easy to screen for something like that. But men in the past have always uh, veered away from that. So uh, it's, you know, it's easy to diagnose. And uh, it is something that can be uh, cured. Uh, and sometimes, you know, if we get it early, we can just watch it as well. So, uh you know, just running through different ways of, uh, you know, why do we get prostate cancer? Mm -hmm. It may be hereditary. We know that, you know, we are doing a lot of genetic markers. I'm, I'm part of Midlantic Urology, which is a large uh, group in Philadelphia area. And we're doing genetic testing uh, as well. So we're looking at, you know, why, what are the, what, what in the genes are creating uh, some people to develop prostate cancer. We look at, you know, healthcare access or, you know, racial disparities. Are they getting in to see their uh, physicians? Are we giving them opportunities? Are we screening appropriately? Uh, uh, again, I have spent lots of time in the Philadelphia area and we've, you know, worked very hard with many of our leaders within Philadelphia to get our patients uh, to be tested and screened. Uh, and then there's dietary and health issues 
that are so very important. You know, you have to take care of yourself uh, to make sure that uh, it doesn't mean that you're not going to develop it, but uh, you're not going to do very well if you don't take care of yourself after you are diagnosed. Um, so those are some of the things that are very important. But as your husband, uh, you know, being treated appropriately, you know, his long term uh you know, therapy hopefully will be phenomenal and, and his uh, ability to move forward. Well, because he was uh, diagnosed. So my husband, when he came on, one of the things he talked about was the fact that his PSA was not that high. It had shifted a little bit upward. And so they didn't want him to take another uh, PSA test until the following year. <laughs> he asked for it. Right. So he said, just give it to me again. It had ticked upwards again. And and at that point, they decided to do a biopsy. And when they did the biopsy, they saw that he had not only had prostate cancer, even though his PSA wasn't that high, but that the markers were such that out of a, of a one to eight, he was like a seven. Right. That and so correct. we decided at that point that he needed to have surgery. But we had done a whole lot of conversations with a lot of different doctors to get, you know, to talk about this. So we keep saying, you know, we have to push for it to have the PSAs done. So one of the things I'd love for you to talk to. Uh, doctors about, especially within the African-American community, even if their PSAs doesn't, don't seem that high, like my husband wasn't, to still let them get the PSA checked, you know, uh, every six months to a year so that they can figure it out. Right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is he had about a five month uh, interval to get it done before it was out of the sack. So we did a whole bone scan. He was fine. And he had the prostate surgery. He is now considered cancer free. Right. Because it, it, it did not spread outside of his body. And when they did the testing afterwards, that was fine. So he has a two percent chance of it coming back. And so that's the conversation that we want to have with people. Now I'm going to ask you a question that may seem strange to you, Dr. Belkov. But let me ask you this. When uh, uh, we see the results of what happens with black men, when white men or white uh, men of other cultures come in and they're told they have prostate cancer, do they follow up immediately? So it's the same thing. I No, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we talk about because we know that it's there's a higher incidence in the black uh, community, you know, you know, and then there's always been the thought that, you know, we don't I don't want to get checked. You know, I don't want someone to stick their finger where it should not be. And I think that's the macho feeling is just silly. And we see that in the you know, in all all walks of life. Uh, but what you did is is something that is really important with your husband. Uh, you know, the PSA, you know, there was a, a study that was done. There was a feeling that, um, you know, a bunch of years ago that we were over uh, screening patients. So we were finding more and more prostate cancer. That means that it's it's a, a burden on the healthcare system. And so, you know, for and, and that was reevaluated because, again, that was sort of pushing some of the men aside. And, you know, and we were seeing now, you know, people that with with cancers that could have been diagnosed earlier and and not have to have treatment later on and play catch up. So I think that's really important. Your husband's a, a great example of what's called active surveillance where we where we watch a patient, they're diagnosed, their blood test isn't very high, and their and their numbers in regard to their pathology when we look is not very high. But those types of patients need to be really responsible. We see them every three months. We repeat their PSAs and if and we repeat their biopsies. And if we 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 find that their biopsies increase or their their pathology or their numbers uh, go up, we need to make sure that we're now offering them uh, other types of therapies. One, one of my patients who is well known is the former mayor 
of the city, uh, uh, Mr. Nutter. And uh, he, too, came in with active surveillance after his mayoral stint and his blood test went up some. And we continued to do biopsies. And at that point, realized that his pathology uh, changed. And at that point, uh, he decided on uh, surgery. So the different types of treatments are, you know, robotic surgery is phenomenal for people that are healthy and under the age of 70, or, or if you're old. If you're healthy over the age of 70, there's radiation, um, you know, which has been tremendously improved over time. Uh, and so we, we follow them closely in that in that subset where we believe that we can create, you know, the, the cancer to go away to, you know, to use the word cure. You know, if they if they die of something else, you know, we've cured them. So then here's the question that I'm going to have for you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd like to find out from you, at what age should a man first get his prostate checked, right? Because now we're understanding. We thought it was just a black thing where just the black men are like, you can't do this. It's just a man thing. They're macho. The macho, you know, the machoism about I don't want a finger in my anus. I don't want to get the digital rectal exam. I don't want to have erectile dysfunction. I want us to discuss all of that when we come back, along with at what age should they get tested so that we can help them to move forward and to live. Because in my humble opinion, sir, too many men are dying of a cancer that is one of the most curable in this country. Can you hold on one second? Agreed. One second. You are listening to The Source on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media, on air and online at wordradio.com. I am Andrea Lawful Sanders. We will be back with Dr. Lawrence Belkoff and the final segment of The Source today, right after these messages. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. Welcome back to the final segment of The Source today on WURD, Progressive Black Thought Media, on air and online at wordradio.com. If you're just joining us, I am Andrea Lawful Sanders, your host, Mondays through Fridays from 5 to 7 a.m. We have had the pleasure of having a well-known neurologist, Dr. Lawrence Belkoff, on to talk about prostate cancer and why it is, you know, something that is so curable, yet it is killing so many men. Uh, we have broken the myth that it's only black men that are feeling the machoism of not going to the doctor because it's all men when they're told that they have prostate cancer and they have to get the digital rectal exam. We're back. And Dr. Belkoff is going to talk about one of two things. One, at what ages should you be tested in, uh, as, a, as a man uh, for your prostate levels? And two, the clinical trials that we are not engaging and involving ourselves in that could absolutely save our lives if once the cancer spreads, God forbid. Right. So, Dr. Belkoff, thank you again for being here with us. Tell me what age should a man first get tested for his PSAs? So if a man has no history in his family with prostate cancer, we usually say the age of 50, they, they need to come in, be checked, uh, their prostate needs to be checked, and we need to get a baseline blood test as well, which is called a PSA. And uh, if there's a family history, meaning father, brother, grandfather, uh, we go as far back as the age of 40 and, uh, and uh, you know, 45, um, and they're all different, you know, you know, qualifications that go, you know, if the patient is symptomatic, we're going to check them at any age. But if they're ace, they're not, they, they feel nothing and they have a family history really the, over the age of 40. And usually that's on a yearly basis. If they, if they have a family history, yearly basis. And again, we can also look at genetic markers. If there's family history, again, father, brother, 
grandfather, um, and, and also get the PSA. For those that don't have family history over the age of 50 is fine. Uh, some believe that if the blood test is uh, consistently low, that can be done on an every other year basis. Uh, but, you know, a lot of guys need to know on a yearly basis, and that's fine. And we don't push them away in regard to that. Let's say you're 25, 35 years old. What are the symptoms that you are feeling that you might be ignoring that could signal that you're having a problem with your prostate? So basically, younger guys, you know, if they come in with burning or blood in their urine or they've got difficulty uh, passing their urine, there can be other medical issues that can be causing it. We don't usually think about prostate cancer for those younger guys. But uh, again, we don't we don't just dismiss it if they don't get better. Okay. So then we let's talk about the clinical trials because so many people uh, are now at the place where the uh, cancer has spread and there are clinical trials out there. Let's talk about why black men in particular are not uh, signing up for the clinical trials as they're being offered to them. So I, I have a long history and, and we run or I run a clinical uh, a research center for Midlantic Urology and also nationally for our, our mother com company, Solaris, where we provide um, therapies for patients uh, in very novel, cutting edge types of treatment, whether it be from early cancers to late. And I think in in uh, in the African-American male, if you go back to the Tuskegee trials uh, in, you know, in the early 30s, that's when they they looked at uh, men that had syphilis and they they looked at they they wanted to do a sort of like a population health, just watch it and see the you know, what what happened to these men. They did not give them treatment. And, and that was done in Alabama. And that was horrific. And from that, the FDA uh, was developed. And, you know, we, we watched trials very closely. So I think because of that, there was a feeling that it was experimental. But today, clinical trials are phenomenal. We have uh, many medications that are exploding in prostate and in bladder cancer that gives the, the patient an opportunity to get the, the medications that are already available, where we look at different, uh, different things regarding the medicines, to new novel medicines as well. And, and there is a disparity in the, uh, you know, in the African American or Hispanic communities that, that, you know, sort of look at that and question, should I be in a trial? But again, we are able to provide cutting edge therapy that our government, where we have to, you know, follow the government guidelines. We've got monitors in watching us. But the, the benefit of it is that you're going to be getting phenomenal care. We have nurses that, you know, check on these patients all the time. They get lab, they get x-rays that are paid by the trials that they would not be getting necessarily with many of the healthcare, um, you know, their healthcare that they have now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we follow them for, for, for a very long time. And as you said, it could be early or even late into the cancer and we have, uh, great success. So, you know, it's something that needs to be, uh, evaluated and looked at. And, uh, you know, and, and I think it's a wonderful area that we can provide, uh, especially in oncology and cancer. And if we don't participate in the clinical trials um, as people of color, sometimes those medicate because we don't participate when it's time for us to get that kind of treatment. It often may not work because we're not a part of the trial system itself. And so, you know, they do treat you very well. And I've had those conversations many a time when a doctor says to you, 
you know, let's participate. It, it offer you the clinical trial. Don't dismiss it hand uh, out of sight because clinical trials is what's keeping a lot of people that I know very alive today, right? Because they participated in them um, to help them move forward with certain cancers that they have or continue to live with. And so I would like us to get to a place where, you know, if someone offers you a clinical trial, you go and you say, tell me more. Don't dismiss it out of hand. The same thing with palliative care doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to die, but they're giving you more uh, advanced treatment. Like, you know, you can have uh, uh, massages, you can have different kinds of therapies that you wouldn't otherwise be offered because they know what's happening with you. We have to literally stop dismissing these things so we can save our lives. Dr. Belkoff, is there anything else you'd like to add to this, sir? No, just that I thank you very much for, again, it's so very important to get the word out there. I know the urologists across, you know, we are, we, you know, dealing with very intimate issues. Uh, we, uh, we become part of their, you know, their care and, and almost their family many mm -hmm. times. And yes. we want good outcomes. And I, yeah. and uh, again, we're here for, for your community as well. Question. One last question. How important is the partner of the man in his prognosis and care? If they have a partner, uh, they need to be completely open and honest. Uh, and, you know, many times the partner, you know, knows what their, you know, their husband or, or partner is doing and they drag them in to see the urologist. Yeah. Yeah. It is so very important to be supported. And, you know, sometimes if uh, they have an erectile dysfunction or other issues, mm -hmm. uh, many men, you know, seem to become, uh, you know, embarrassed by that. But it's mm -hmm. so important to get to the to the root cause and then uh, get their lives back. You know, it's quality of life and you need to be open and honest mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you're going to get the best care possible. Absolutely. And the erectile dysfunction does not last forever if you do what you're supposed to do and get the, the care. Right. That um, is you true. Want, and, and we could always fix it in some way. Uh, tell the people, Dr. Bell, because <laughs> they think because they think it's just, oh, you know, I'm not my penis is never going to work again. Lord have mercy. If women were this way. I don't know how we would manage because we have to go through menopause and all the other things. And the men are like, I don't want to lose the, my penis. So I'm, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm not getting checked and then it's too late and then they're dying, you know, when they should be. That's true. Uh, yeah. Your, 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 uh, erections are, are really important. We can always help, but you know, the alternative is when you don't take care of your disease, you're not going to have to worry about your erections. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Very true, Dr. Belkov. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And hopefully this conversation will allow more men to choose the proper treatment and care for themselves. Thank, Thank you. you. And so the best of luck to your husband. Thank you, sir. So talk to you soon. All right. Thank bye bye. You. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.